Are you someone you know battling cancer? Welcome to Integrative Cancer Solutions with Dr. Carl Feld, where you get to be part of a live consultation with a patient diagnosed with cancer. I was never close to my father. In fact, I found out that he passed away from colon cancer six months after he died. I never got to be with him during his struggle. This podcast and the cutting-edge integrative cancer therapies I offer at my center are my chance to do what I didn't get to do for my father. Tune in as I get to know the struggles and victories of my guests while battling cancer. We will discuss natural medicine and how it can safely be integrated into traditional oncology care. You are not alone in your struggle. Ellen Jacobs, I'm so excited to have you on the show today, and I and I know that you have been a warrior when it comes to educating people about cancer. But tell me a little bit about your story. Uh, you, you're a two-time breast cancer survivor, so tell tell me a little bit about your story. What you know? How, how did you find out? How did you feel? I mean, what what were the choices in front of you at that time? Right. So I found out in 2007, second mammogram of my life. Um, and they, I, they get, I get the call to come back. It's also the last mammogram of my life, just for the record, which is good. Anyway, uh, I go in and they say, well, you know, 30% of the time, this is nothing. And 30% of the time, it's maybe something. And 30% of the time, it's breast cancer. Okay, you're that latter 30%. So they, they, they sent me off of the biopsy. And then my options were lumpectomy, but it really wasn't an option. So there was either no surgery or a mastectomy because... It was all over the place. As they clearly said, there wouldn't be anything left if we did a lumpectomy by the time we finished with you. So I, I decided to do the, the mastectomy. And actually at the time I decided to do bilateral because my I had two very little kids and I was under the false impression that removing both would lower my risk of recurrence. Not true. So it, it, the surgery itself can actually spread cancer. So it, including the morphine that they give you after they get, you know, so the whole thing disrupts your immune system and breast cancer by time they remove anything is typically left the roost and in other words it could already have traveled around the body so but regardless they told me I had almost no risk of recurrence so I said great Um, then I met this wonderful oncologist and he said you know Ellen if I had met you seven years ten years ago you would not have breast cancer so he had my attention and he said you know something happened to you before you were five years old and that's why you have breast cancer. And I was shocked. And so then I thought, well, okay, he's talking about emotional traumas, you know, which is what we talked about. So I thought if I could just forgive anybody who ever pissed me off or did something wrong to me, um, that would work, right? Forgiveness is great. Unfortunately, what I learned when I was studying to be a coach was that that actually doesn't work. But since I had was seemed perfectly healthy. I thought, okay, well, I must have done something because, you know, I don't have any problems. Haha. Fast forward to 2014. I'm sitting at my desk working, feel the lump under my arm and say, this can't be good. Go immediately to the, to the, my uh, OBGYN and he says, oh, it's probably nothing. Go, go get a sonogram. So I go for the sonogram and then they do the biopsy. No, they wanted to do the biopsy. And I said, no, I'm not doing a biopsy. Then I spoke to my one of my doctor friends, and he said, you know, maybe you do the biopsy. I know I'm against it, you're against it, but maybe you do it because you'll get some data from it. In other words, you'll get pathology. And I said, I don't know. 
I finally agreed to do this and I loved my surgeon. So I said, you can take that one, you know, tumor out and, and that's it and we'll test it. Okay, we agree one tumor, that's it, nothing. I wake up, he's taken out 10 nodes and five of them had cancer. I was devastated. I looked like a mummy. I said, wait a minute. You said I would go home and nobody would even know I had surgery. I didn't want my kids freaking out, you know, round two here. And so needless to say, they were fine with it. I was, you know, I finally eventually forgave him. But the problem was that was in um, November. In January, I go for a follow-up sonogram. And they said, well, you know, got news for you. You've got two more. And I said, oh, and she said, we're going to biopsy. And I said, oh, no, you are not. So there was no biopsy. And then I went back two months later. I up my, I'll talk about what I did. But anyway, two months later, I went back for another sonogram. She said, well, the good news is those two haven't grown. The bad news is you got another third one. We should biopsy it. I'm like, not happening. So I really doubled down. I, I did nine months of um, intense like psychotherapy, which I had started originally in as soon as I was re-diagnosed. And I started doing emotional healing with like EFT tapping, emotion code, Reiki, um, bioenergetic healing, two different energy healers aside from that, uh, psychotherapy. I did all of these therapies. And so they kept repeating these sonograms and saying, you know, Ellen, they're not growing, but they're still there. So over, I, you know, I added so many more supplements, even on top of what I was doing, targeted, rotating them, high dose vitamin C, all kinds of things. And then come October, one year to date from that first sonogram that said, you, you know, we have a repeat here. And my radiologist looks at me and she said, they're all gone. I hadn't done sonograms over the summer because I was at my country home and it was too far. So I do my sonogram in October and she said, they're gone. I don't understand it. So then she said, you know, there's one sac that looks dead. It has no activity, has nothing. We should still biopsy that. I'm like, not happening. So we followed that for all of these years since then. Wednesday, I went for another follow-up sonogram, which I do annually. And that's all I do. I don't do PET scans, CAT scans, or mammograms. And she said, so you know that spot we've been watching? I said, she said, it's gone. Thought it must have flushed it. There's there. She she couldn't find anything. She she worked forever looking for that spot, you know, because she knows exactly. Because you know, you come every year and you look at the same, you compare the photos. Gone, absolutely gone. And I had my markers done a few weeks ago when they were all perfect. And I, I strongly recommend everybody insist on getting their markers. I mean, your cancer markers like your CA twenty seven twenty nine. Most a lot of oncologists refuse to order them. It's some argument with the drug with the insurance companies, but. While perfect markers do not mean absolutely no cancer, bad markers mean you have some more work to do. It's a heads up, no radiation, not like a CAT scan or a PET scan, you know, simple blood test. And you do them every six months or more, depending on your stage. So, at, you know, as far as I was concerned, by 2015, I was not stage four. I was stage nothing. I was absolutely no cancer. And that's, you know, that's where I am today. Nice and my, thank you. And really what I want people to know is that you have to heal the mind and you have to heal the body. And there are so many ways you can do that. Some expensive, some not expensive. You know, people spend a ton of money going off to clinics to kill the cancer. But some of those things do nothing to kill the reason why you got the cancer. And the same thing for chemo and radiation. They can kill the cancer, but they can make it spread. And it's not resolving the reason. 
So if I had to give anybody that one piece of advice, it would be to, to work with people and find out. And the really cool thing was, I, I told you I worked with so many healers. They all told me the same thing. And I told them nothing. So how can they all know everything about me? Right? And my ecologist was so thrilled when I told him I had met up with him at a conference. That's, and I had him, this is as soon as I found that lump. And I said, feel this. And he said, hmm, make an appointment with me. And then I told him I was going to go work with a healer first time in my life. And he's like, I am so happy. He was thrilled. And he was thrilled when I added up, you know, to all the other ones. And anyway, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. So, so the, that, I mean, like, especially breast. Yeah, it, it's such a, for, it's a nurturing organ. It, it, it's such an emotional organ. I know that I had one patient that came to me and she developed uh, breast cancer. And it was, it was like, a week after they had a big blowout with her daughter. And uh, it, I mean, it, it was so, and, and it was on the left side, you know, left tend to be more your female side. And as, so, I mean, the, the emotions play such a huge role. So for, for people, I mean, are there certain techniques that you would say that this kind of resonated with more? I mean, obviously all of these different techniques are beneficial, but are there certain techniques that you felt that this really resonated with me more and, and really got me to the core of the issue faster? Yes, I found that EFT tapping was productive. It brings very strong emotions out, but I didn't honestly care for the woman that I was working with. So I don't think, I, I didn't stay with it very long. I started doing the emotion code. That was phenomenal. She told me every single date in my life where I had a trauma that was buried in there that had to be released. So that is by far the fastest way to get rid of it. I found psychotherapy very informative, but I learned I'm also not much really excited about doing therapy. And it was very long process for me. And I'm not sure how much I learned, I got out of it, but then a few other healers, uh, bioenergetic, uh, that was really amazing. But again, I didn't feel like I was getting enough out of it. And that one happened to be very expensive and a pain to get to. So I would say the emotion code was really dramatic for me and some of the other healers, because they can really get to the bottom. They can tell you within, sometimes within a few minutes, what your problem is that a doctor can't, can't know. I mean, I had another problem with a healer where I, I woke up in the middle of the night and I was, you know, in severe pain and I thought I was having a heart attack. She fixed me in seconds and, and it wasn't a heart attack. I think it was probably an anxiety attack, but that's what it felt like. And then I had another time where I couldn't eat for weeks. My stomach was ripped to shred. I didn't know that. I was just in such pain. I couldn't eat. Doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me and all I kept doing was dropping weight. And I called up this healer and she said, well, what are you doing? I said, well, I drink lemon juice every morning with water. And she said, don't do that it ripped up your stomach. So she literally sewed my stomach back together again. And I've been fine ever since. That's my doctors were amazed. He's like, I want her on my team. <laughs> you know, so I use these healers now as my emergency room. I have another one that I just started working with again in the head because I had so many, I had to cut some of them out, but now I've gone back to him and he's fixing things for my clients. And so, you know, some social media friends who I've, who've contacted me and they're working with him and they're astounded at you know, what these people can do. So. That's amazing. So, I, mean, I, I want to go back a little bit. You, you made the comment you're, through your journey, uh, you made the comment that surgery, you know, debulking, because everybody says you, you need to debulk the tumor. Uh, so, which means either uh, in your case, lumpectomy or mastectomy. 
but then you made the comment that that actually spreads the cancer and you, you should not do that. Can, can you expand a little bit on, on that? Yes. So there's a time and a place for removing the tumor. And if some people have such a high tumor load that if they're trying to recover from that, especially you know naturally or even with chemo or such, there's so much work to do you can the cancer can still be growing it's like putting gasoline and, and water on the same fire you know that just too much of a tumor load and then sometimes it's a very good idea to have that tumor removed other times it just plays with your mind knowing that it's there you can't heal so that's a good reason to get the tumor removed the reasons not to do it again is that when they anytime you have surgery it dampens your immune system what happens when your immune system is dampened is the cancer can grow more virals can grow more and viral, we didn't talk about that, but that's a big deal of, of resolving all the viruses in your body that are changing healthy cells into cancer cells. That's the side. We can talk about that later. But so when they do the surgery, that immune system, it, it can also release cancerous cells into the blood system. Think of it like laundry basket, all clean stuff, and someone throws something really dirty in the basket, and you fish it out. How clean do you think that laundry is now, right? It's like a dirty oil rag. So it can spread those those cells and then they give you painkillers like morphine which apparently according to studies also helps the cancer advance and travel yeah so how how do you so in regard to them the, the chemo radiation I, I know that you you're a big proponent about living well with cancer you know it, it's not just living not just surviving but you know to thrive and and really you know have a full life yeah you, know, you, you don't want to yeah, you know, all these people they do surgeries and and they complain. I I didn't know what it felt like to be have you know to live without a stomach or without a kidney or without a whatever it is that they're taking out. Yeah, you know, they they wish they would have known ahead of time what that life would have looked like. And so your big proponent is is obviously living well. And if you cut all these things out and if you kill your whole system with chemo, uh, I mean it's. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, is, is that something that's important to do these things or are there other options in your mind? But there's other options. At stage three, you know, first thing my ecologist said was, you know, you're stage three, I'm going to recommend chemo and radiation. And I looked at him point blank and I said, you know and I know that if I do the, that chemo and radiation, I'm going to have a terrible quality of life for the next seven to 10 years and I'm going to be dead anyway. And he said, well, that's true. I said, so as you can imagine, I am not going to do that. And then he asked me what I was going to do. And I gave him my whole you know, li list of things. And he's like, I love it. It's perfect. Let's get started. I said, oh, I, oh, I've been working on it for a while. But he, so now I started doing some of the things in his office, which was great. So chemo and radiation can definitely be beneficial in some ways. But you have to remember that they do not target cancer stem cells. And cancer stem cells are the only cells that can travel around your body. No one dies of a breast tumor. You die when it travels and goes to your liver, your brain, you know, your lungs. So when it progresses and takes over, and then they start pumping so much chemo into you that you don't can't survive that much repeated chemo, you die not of cancer necessarily, but of the treatment. But one of them was going to get. I know that that's a very difficult thing for an oncologist to do because their job can depend on it, but they have to try and talk you into doing the chemo or the radiation. But interestingly enough, when I met my new oncologist, because sadly that dear doctor passed away a few years ago, and she said, when I was ready to read, the, read you the riot act that you turned down all our conventional treatments. She said, but looking at you, 
what did you do? You know, she's like, you're just, whatever you're doing, you just keep doing that. And she was, she read all my reports. I gave her all the stuff that I did. And so she was very interested, but you have to understand that most oncologists are going to say my way or the highway. You're going to do, you need to do the chemo, but that wasn't for me. And again, the cancer stem cells are not affected by the chemo and radiation. So you're sure you're reducing the tumor load, but that little 1% of those cancer cells that are out there running around, you're going to do chemo and radiation you need to target those cells too very very important yeah because i mean the chemo and the radiation makes them more active yeah so all of a sudden you know they are working harder to spread the tumor i mean yes you 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 know the little tumor that you saw that one seems to be going away but now you have this fire that's just spreading everywhere and you have no idea where it's going to land that's why we see why we see so many people who are stage one bang zoom a couple years later they're stage four and they're in shock they're saying but i doctor i did everything you told me to do right yeah but the doctors aren't explaining that you know there's limitations that radiation can sure it can stop you from having you know another tumor in that same breast with you know for a number of years but who knows what it's doing to the rest of your cells you know traveling and, and packing off to go visit your liver so so what what are some of the so you mentioned that this you know it, the importance of healing your emotions and healing your traumas then looking at more of the physical component i mean what what are some of the important therapies supplements that you you feel are really key in this whole process i know you mentioned virus that that is really important to address the, the virus load and i know there's a lot of talk about epstein bar you know being really associated with a lot of the different cancers I mean, what, what are your, what are some of the kind of the main things in that area that, that are important? Definitely reducing that viral load. I mean, Epstein-Barr is one of the more popular ones, but there's a few others that are very active in, in breast and other cancers. Um, you can get tested, but every adult has it. It's just whether yours is more active than another person's. But if you have cancer, you can just basically assume that you have a viral load or that you have GMO poisoning that's help feeding, one's feeding off the other and feeding cancer and changing healthy cells into cancer cells. So being on an antiviral protocol is essential. If you go to my website, I've got plenty of suggestions for you. The only one that I know that kills that Epstein-Barr is ozone therapy, but then it's going to be like the COVID world where you're wearing a mask and gloves because you're going to, you could easily be reinfected by the next person that you see. So staying on an antiviral protocol is important getting rid of all the genetically modified things that you can, get all the chemical estrogens out of your world, like the BPA, the toilet paper, the paper towels, minimize it. Just minimize your exposure to paper goods and you know plastic water bottles and all of that stuff. And, and are there things that you can do? Because uh, obviously when you're diagnosed, you've then been exposed to all these things, these uh, kind of estrogenic or xenoestrogenic type of substances. I mean, what, what are some things that you can do to remove that? I mean, I, I know medically to block estrogen, you use like tamoxifen. And so what, what are things that, that you can do uh, to kind of clear that out and, and use more natural substances? Right. So you can use um, indole-3-carbinol or DIM. You can eat a lot of cruciferous vegetables, which are high in sulforaphane. And what they do is they detoxify the estrogen so it can kind of pass through your body instead of recycling the old estrogen. You also eat a lot of phytoestrogens. And I know a lot of doctors don't understand this. They say that's estrogen, don't do that. But if you eat flaxseed and um, tahini and things, soy, those things sit on your receptors just like tamoxifen would. 
yet they don't give you the side effects. I also declined the tamoxifen and the aromatase inhibitor. That none of that was for me. But I, you know, I have a very, I eat a lot of flaxseed. If I tell you how much flaxseed I ate that summer when I got rid of those things, I mean, maybe six, eight tablespoons a day. But, you know, I, I was determined and I still eat my flaxseed. I, I eat it in many different ways or tahini, which is made from sesame seeds, which is also a lignin. So definitely having other things other than estrogen. And also important to understand that estrogen is not responsible for your breast cancer. A lack of progesterone, a high amount of chemical estrogens, yes, but it's very, very rare that your own estrogen is responsible. But all those xenoestrogens, those chemicals, for years have been sitting on those receptors, creating cell replication in a bad way. And we need to get those out of our, our world. Um, so know that there is a lot of natural aromatase inhibitors out there and natural substances that can replace tamoxifen. So many. And then also really keeping your liver working well, because when the liver is functioning well, it's detoxifying and you're peeing out that estrogen. So you really want the, the, the liver, which can get overloaded with, you know, people put Advil on their body and, and, and Tylenol and all kinds of terrible chemicals that the liver has to deal with. And they do so much damage to the body. So if we could keep it natural, take curcumin instead of Advil, right? Take that Tylenol, throw it in the garbage. You know, we just really want to remember that everything that you put in your body and everything that you put on your body has to be processed. And, and if it's a chemical and you can't eat it, don't put it on your body. Some people use like a, a glutathione depleting type of uh, uh, therapies where they combine chemo with, with like Tylenol you know, to deplete glutathione in the system just because the cancer cells in themselves then produce glutathione. So then they figure if we're going to kill them, we need to deplete the glutathione. I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts about that? I don't have a strong opinion on that other than to tell people that don't, don't combine glutathione drips with vitamin C. Like you don't want to do those at the same time because they can actually cancel each other out. But if you're working with an integrative oncologist, they're going to be able to give you those drips and they will, you know, they will have the right combinations for you because for some people they need glutathione. Everybody is different. And so you can't just make like, like for me, glutathione doesn't work for my cancer cells. So I would have no problem blocking it. But for other people, test really high that that really works for them, you wouldn't want to necessarily block it. So it's really an individual basis. But I think working, I don't think anyone should ever have chemo or radiation unless they're using an integrative oncologist who knows how to combine supplements with, um, with these treatments and the timing of when you can take it. For instance, maybe you don't take high dose vitamin C when you're doing radiation at the same time, but you can time it differently, you know, when you're not having your treatments to protect and improve the efficacy of those conventional treatments. So I really think it's important that everybody either work with an integrative oncologist, if there's not none nearby, work with a naturopath who under, you know, specializes in oncology and can help you, an integrated pharmacist, and I, you know, I use one all the time for my clients, for myself, just because he's a wealth of information, um, or work with a coach that really, you know, has research that that kind of information or hit the books and start figuring out there's tons of books out there that show you which drugs interact with which natural products and you know get that book if you want to do it from home and and you you're talking about vitamin drip i mean what what were some of the ones that you did that seemed to be beneficial for you i did intravenous vitamin c 50 grams 
for nine months. The only reason I stopped and went and switched to liposomal is because I left the city for my country house and there was nobody reliable out there that could do it. So I switched to the liposomal, which is great also. I mean, it works slightly differently, but it's a great substitute and it's much more affordable and you don't have to spend three hours sitting in a chair and walking on a little loopy. I do recommend the first time you do IVC, you have somebody drive you or walk you home. I'm a small person and I was on cloud nine going, okay, <laughs> I don't think I should be driving or walking. I'm just going to sit in the car and go to sleep. <laughs> but, you know, once you get used to it, it's a little, it's a little different. But, I, you know, I do say proceed with caution. But there are so many different types of drips. They call them, you know, cocktails that these doctors put together depending on your needs. Not everybody needs the same thing. So, and it's not hard to find these doctors. Just know that it is expensive. Yeah, yeah. And and you did so vitamin C drip for nine months. That was the only drip I did. Yeah. And and that was uh, twice weekly, once weekly, every once once weekly. Once weekly. Okay. And then I did do the liposomal on other days that I wasn't doing the IVC. Yeah, yeah. Or people say liposomal. I don't know why I always call it liposomal, but it's the same thing. Yeah. So and and any other therapies that you feel are important, like you know, colonics, coffee enemas, saunas, uh what Saunas are very good. People who have had um, nodes removed and radiation, that you need to be very careful with certain treatments that would heat up the body. So I caution them, you know, no hot yoga, things like that, because you don't want to increase your risk of lymphedema. Um, and if you have two of those things, let's say the radiation and the, and the removal, that's going to very much increase your risk. So you have to be careful with that, but definitely, um, you know, Reiki, uh, acupuncture, um, targeted supplements like Selvestrols and Oncobel, that's a, um, an Onco natural source. Beljansky has a fabulous line. Uh, some you have to go through a practitioner, some you can get on your own. Um, Selvestrols out of, you know, um, out of Europe, they sell them from Canada. Fantastic product goes through and kills, and these products only kill the cancerous cells. They do not kill the healthy cells, where that's how they differ from chemo. I remember my oncologist showing me a bottle of graviola. He said, Ellen, this is back in 07. Chemo and a bottle, no side effects. Can I sell you on that? <laughs> I said, yeah, you can sell me on that. I'll take that. You know, so, but the important thing too is to rotate them. So if you do, let's say, Oncobel for a couple of months, then you go off of that and you do something else so that you don't, your body doesn't create a resistance, or I should say the cancer cells don't create a resistance. Yeah, um, that, uh, I, so, think, I think that's crucial. Uh, and uh, so... Because the body, they the body is smart. It adapts. Cancer cells are intelligent. It's not just an intelligent lump that's sitting there. They're always trying to figure out ways to survive, and so you you always have to you know kind of be a step ahead and and at the same time kind of alternate treatments like that. Diet wise, I mean there there's so many different diets out there. Uh, so I mean what what seem to work for you? I mean some people are proponents of like the ketogenic. Uh, then we have, depending on the cancer, uh, you need to match your diet depending on your cancer. Some people go all raw and you know, make sure that your, your pH is, is high. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, what, what did so, you do? Yeah, well, the best diet for you, for anyone, is a diet that works for you. Because if you say, I have to go on a ketogenic diet. Well, first of all, that's great if you have brain cancer. But it's, it's, and it's great for other cancers, but it's not sustainable for a lot of people and therefore you get depressed. Depression is not good for anybody. It is, I'm telling you right now, will not help you survive. Certainly not. And if you, you get to the point where you open the refrigerator and you say, 
never mind. I don't want anything in there. You know, I call that food fatigue. And it went, I went through it too, because I was juicing all the time and all I was living on the soups and salads. And I said, if I have to eat one more salad. And then I went to this vegan restaurant with a friend of mine who was stage four. And we were like, we determined to find some, and the food was fantastic. And I started cooking up a storm, making all kinds of chickpea crust pizzas with kale and garlic. And next thing you know, I was back to eating again. So I say, you know, the keto is not right for everyone. A low carb diet is typically helpful for a lot of reasons, but you know, you don't have to avoid sweet potatoes. You don't even have to avoid potatoes. Every, you know, fruit and vegetable has a benefit. And that's why if you go on the keto, you're losing a lot of valuable nutrients, things that fill you up. What are you going to eat? You can't live on lettuce and you can't eat that much protein. So people say, well, I tried it for a few months. I can't do it anymore. And that, you know, so I say the best diet for you is the one that works. Well, for me, I struggle eating protein. I can eat vegetables other than big, big, that food fatigue stretch. I could eat them forever, but I do need to get protein. So I, I, I do eat tofu, even though it is somewhat processed. It sits in a plastic tub, but I, you know, can't make my own. I eat, you know, tahini, I eat beans. Um, I do eat meat in the summertime. I know that sounds odd, but I only eat meat in the summertime um, and not a lot of it, but I do eat it. I don't eat any chicken or turkey. Um, I eat wild caught fish. Trying again, trying to get some protein. I like tempeh. I make stews, soups with um, things like like that in it. But I don't believe in deprivation, and I don't believe there is one diet that works for everybody. And I have found that with all of my clients and other and and friends who have gone through this, the diet that works for you is the one that you can stay on. And a juicing diet, like they do with Gerson, that's great when you're there and they're making those nine or twenty juices a day. But when you have to go home and buy those vegetables, you've got to scrub them, you've got to juice them, you've got to clean that juicer, and then it's time to start all over again. <laughs> so, unless you have no job or house you know, keeper or a chef that's going to do all this for you, you know, it's pretty darn hard to stay on that for a long period of time. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, and that's, that's the truth. I mean, it, it becomes a full-time job, so then you start to think, you know, is this going to be my life for the rest of my, I mean, is, is this all I got? Not living well. That's not living well. No, no. Yeah. And, and I want the audience to really know uh, how much that you've done. I mean, you're, you're one of those, you've actually received multiple awards and you've been recognized as an individual that's taken your challenge, uh, your, you know, breast cancer being obviously you know, one of the most scariest challenges and you've turned that around into something amazing. I mean, you're, you're educating people. I mean, your website is just full of information for somebody dealing with, with cancer. And you, uh, you were running a, a, TV, a radio show as well for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. It just got to be too much when, um, you know, there wasn't enough time to do it anymore. And I needed to spend that time because that's when I was a stage three suddenly. And I said, okay, their show's got to go. Something has to go because I have two kids you know, a job and I'm doing that show. It was too time consuming. So I had to give up something, but I think it is so important. Like my slogan is, if you don't know your options, you don't have any. So I want people to know that you have options. It can be conventional. It can be alternative. It can be a combination, but you have options. And there's so many different treatments. You know, a lot of people go to a clinic. Well, the problem with the clinic is it's very expensive. And sometimes if that one type of treatment that they're using the most isn't really working on your cells, you just blew 50 or 80 grand. If you're doing supplements and, and, and healers like I did, yeah, you might drop $50,000. 
But if you do chemo, you may also, you don't realize how many bills you get at the end and you're spending a tremendous amount of money and you're not healing. You're just doing that one thing. You know, I think, you, you know, do as many things as you can. But the other thing I really want people to know is that you have to tell yourself you're healthy. You have to tell yourself that every day. Why is it so easy for me to believe that I'm perfectly healthy? N nothing negative, but you have to say these things every day because your mind hears everything. If I said, Michael, how are you? And you said, oh, my kids, it's yada, yada, yada. And you go on with that. And I said, well, you just told your, your brain you want to be sick. So now your mind is going to do its best to make you sick. It doesn't mean you can say, I'm perfectly healthy and your mind's going to make you healthy, but it will. It will help. Yeah. The negative stuff will not help. So you throw the negative stuff out. How are you, Michael? I am great. <laughs> right? I mean, every healer told me that, you know, you, you stay in that, in that frame. You know, I command myself, one of them said, I, you have to tell yourself, I command myself to be, you know, happy and, and you know, or the other one said, why is it so easy for me to believe that I'm perfectly healthy? I mean, whatever it is you have to say, and you say it a lot, out loud, yeah. and it, it helps, it helps, because really, you don't have to be happy you have cancer, but let's do everything we can not to have it. Yeah, it's a study of the psychoneuroimmunology. Yeah, you know, how how the psyche, how it impacts immune system, the nervous system, and and so it it's so it, yeah, like Norman Cousin, the research that he was doing, you know, where he cured himself just to watch funny movies, uh, and and so the yeah the psyche. That's so, medicine. Yeah, exactly. Well, Ellen, it it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show, and and I'm so grateful uh, you sharing all the information and and. Uh, you know, so people that are in your situation that are diagnosed, they can look towards someone like you and, and see she did it. You know, if, if she did it, why can't I? Well, thank you so much for having me and all your kind words. And I look forward to meeting with you again. And to everybody else out there, you can do it. Do we all win? No, but you certainly can do a heck of a lot to get there. Thank you so much, Ellen. All thank right. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. The information this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not designed to diagnose or treat any disease. If you'd like to know more about what my center offers, please visit thecarlfeldcenter.com. Please join us next week for another live consultation with a patient diagnosed with cancer on Integrative Cancer Solutions with Dr. Carl Feldt.